2: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
0: Welcome to the PH Nutrition Podcast. Today, we have a listener Q&A, and I'm delighted to be joined by Coach Luke and Coach Tom. Now, guys, how are you? you, How's things? Everything good?
3: Yeah, good. Thank you, Liam. Very good. Thank you. Been busy, been, you know, getting back into the world of CrossFit and you dragged me into a CrossFit no. competition in a couple of weeks time, which is fun. <laughs> so getting back into that. And it has been fun to do a little bit more from but what I was doing with which was just kind of strength and endurance stuff. But yeah, it's, it's good to be. You're going to tow the
0: line on the strength side. So yeah, it's good. It's I'll good do my to best. have you back.
2: T, how are you doing? Hybrid training going well? Hybrid life. Yeah, that's me. I'm the one doing the strength and the endurance stuff. Yeah uh deadlifting in the garage no noise complaints the neighbors just yet pounding yeah. the pavements in my spare time but uh yeah all good all good fantastic mate i really
0: admire dedication training in the garage because i've got a set up in my garage and now out of lockdown i'm just like going there and i'm like oh god i just need to send all this equipment because it's just <laughs> i can't move it myself i need to be in a class but yeah fair play to you mate and the guys at
2: omni are treating you well push yeah you all good do you know what i actually find training in the garage works better sometimes I set, yeah you know i can get in and out in an hour i'm a bit like a moth to a light. i can get distracted by other people or you know shiny equipment in the gym or someone's doing a workout or let me jump in so sometimes yeah. it's good for me to go in and out and stay on task and on plan
0: yeah nice now. i need
2: to be cold and need to be held accountable <laughs> i just drift Drift, that's the problem
0: Right, let's get into a few questions Because we've got quite some, some good ones here We're going to go through about overtraining, undereating. eating We've got some gastroenterone, supplementation We're going to talk about increasing calories Creatine and weight loss um, Caffeine deloads And just a little bit about cardio and weights And you know, what to kind of focus on So really good questions guys But we're going to kick things off with a question that we got on Instagram From uh, a woman called Zuzar And it was How do I differentiate between overtraining and undereating?" I think it's a really good question, first of all. I think it's like, you know, a, a little bit of, no, it's actually something I didn't even think of. Do you know what I mean? When she asked me, I was like, actually, how do you differentiate between it between them? Has anyone got anything to, to kick us off with?
3: Yeah, yeah. As you say, Liam, it's a fantastic question because it can be quite hard to differentiate. And the way that I kind of t- try and look at this is from more of kind of like almost a physiological point of view. And when we see under fueling, we think about kind of low energy availability. We think about like low substrate availability as well, which is when like you don't necessarily have the carb stores, the glycogen stores present to be able to perform the task at hand. Whereas on the overtraining side of things, I often think it tends to be more a case of kind of low central nervous system drive where mm. that's just kind of gone blown up almost cause, because because... Yeah, because of that central nervous system fatigue. And there are things that are going to kind of benefit both as well. We know that obviously um, consuming a little bit more carbohydrates both improves your energy availability and improves your central nervous system drive as well. But kind of identifying which one is kind of affecting you is quite hard to do. And I'd say probably the... The ones to look out for from an overtraining perspective, in my opinion, are going to be things like low motivation away from training as well as kind of during training where you just kind of feel all the time, not necessarily hungry. I think it can be quite easy to spot when you're hungry and when you've got that low energy availability as well. But if you just feel like you're wiped out all of the time, but you're not hungry, you feel relatively kind of content after meals, relatively kind of well fueled, but still just wiped out that to me would suggest kind of more of an overtraining issue than an underfueling thing they're just kind of my first thoughts but obviously yes well
0: i think that i think that's true isn't it like you say that that we have that in our checking forms don't we like motivation to train you know that needs to be it needs to be something and i think if you're overtraining then that's definitely an area that kind of is a bit of a red flag you know if you're always quite low you know dragging yourself to the gym or forcing yourself to it that's definitely that overtraining side. I think for me, muscle soreness, joint soreness. Do you know what I mean? Like you're not going to get that from, you know, you shouldn't feel, actually <laughs> got, you feel beat up from, from a Dom's point of view, from tendons and ligaments and joints feeling sore. So if you're feeling that all of the time, then I think you're probably in the overtraining camp. So I think that would be the second point that I would kind of look out for, for the overtraining side of things. Tom, got anything?
2: Yeah, do you know what? I actually had a conversation with a member in the gym on Saturday, and instantly these kind of like red flags were, were in the back of my mind that, you know, is this person over training? Are they kind of under eating, underfueling? Because they were talking about, you know, fatigue, like say particularly away from training. They were talking about they weren't making progress. They were they were really struggling, really hungry. And obviously, as a as a coach it's very easy for us to say particularly to, to members of gyms that are maybe really part of the communities and they want to get the most out of their membership to try and tell a member to take an extra rest day doesn't always go down too well you don't always mm. become the most popular person and 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 you know as coaches ourselves and obviously maybe other coaches listen to this as well we always want to try and give proactive advice that members can take away uh, people listen to podcasts and, and and act upon so actually looking at right what's their workout nutrition like what's their pre-sleep routine like you know so that, that we can try and potentially improve their recovery so they might be able to train a little better they might be able to bust through that plateau but then if they're still not making progress then let's say i know we all get a bit of fomo but an extra rest day or two when you're looking at it maybe across the, the month or a three-month picture I think it is important sometimes to, to take stuff and don't be afraid of, let's say, just doing something a bit less in, intense because I see people doing junk volume and, let's say, moth to a light. I can be guilty of it myself getting sucked into workouts. Actually, is that going to help you perform better in your training? Mm. Yeah, jury's out there.
0: Yeah, so like I say, being, being around the gym probably too much, being like, say, just jumping on and everything, again, it's in that overtraining camp isn't it you know you're, you're probably there is where you need to take down your training volume training intensity and it's probably not you know the, the thing is then it kind of there's a there's a lot of crossover between this is what we're saying so what you yeah, it's tough to tell people to not use their their uh four sessions a week or something i'm paying a hundred thousand pound for this like you're telling me not to do this for um but it does make it challenging from our side of things to then administer like nutrition advice. If you're constantly training because there's only a certain amount, you're going to keep eating and obviously then you've got that balance between body composition. So yeah, looking at the overtraining thing, I think is definitely the first point of call. And then from a nutrition point of view, I think some of the signs and symptoms would be, like, like Luke said, hunger all of the time, the opposite. If, if you're constantly thinking about food, do you know I mean? Like when's my next meal? or you finish a meal and you're hungry still. Like, I mean, not just like, you know, we should eat to 80% for whatever, but you're actually hungry. Or you find yourself eating an hour later all of the time. You know, this is these are definitely signs that I would think that you're, you're under-consuming. Or if you're not training that much. Do you know what I mean? If you actually, I mean, again, that's something that is what's enough. But if you are not really training like, you know, higher volume, but you still have real low energy availability. You are still struggling through sessions. Then, like Tom said, then you've got to be looking at workout nutrition. Then you've got to be looking at what you're eating going into, you know, into your into training sessions across the week. And then you're probably in that under eating camp. You know, I think our job, Luke, I don't know if you, you know, on, on this we've talked about it is our job is to get you to eat as much as possible to achieve your goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're not we're not in that camp to remove. Your food choices. we want you to eat as much because it's going to nourish your body. It's going to give you more opportunity to, you know, provide your body with, with fuel, with, with nutrition, with all of these wonderful, you know, vitamins, minerals, macronutrients. We're not in that camp of restricting. So it is getting that balance. But yeah, you know, I, I hope there's a kind of few things there, definitely that I would.
3: And I mean, a, a good way to kind of know it. anyway is, is trial and error as well. So if you mm. think, oh, is this under fueling? add some more food in, see how you go for the next kind of couple of weeks. And then yeah. if the problem's still there, chances are you might have been over-training instead. And then it's, okay, sweet, let's make those changes as well. I mean, that obviously is not a quick fix. It's the one that requires, you know, a intervention and reflection. But still, I think very relevant, very useful as well.
0: Yeah, definitely, mate. Last point on that, I think often people that are going to the gym and seeing progress What will happen is that they'll start to feel that they're either overtraining or under-eating. When they see progress in the gym and they put more weight on the bar, they do quicker quicker rounds, faster reps, more intensity, but they don't change their nutrition. Their nutrition is the same as it was six months ago when they were doing 30 kilos on the bar and it's the same amount that they're eating in the same structure as when they're doing 80 kilos. So this is where then people feel that they're under-eating or feel that they're not kind of making progress is because they're not aligning their nutrition to the progress that they've made and you know that's definitely something to to kind of just be aware of for a lot of people to be like you know as your training progresses so is your nutrition so you know hopefully that's given a you know again because there's a lot of crossover hopefully that's given you a few few things to kind of get get started with. good stuff now this one is from the big man in Ames. I go follow him on Instagram. What is he? Fix Fit X Lemon or something, is he? Is a the, good the, guy? The. CrossFit, but it's X Fit, isn't it? X fit Lemon. The good he's a good guy. He's such a such a good guy. So he popped us a message about supplementation. And one in particular, Perkestrone and you know research you know does it help with gaining muscle what's the research you know this is something that covered a little bit on some of the detail in our hub but luke you, you've kind of been deep diving into a bit of the research most more recent research so just give it a bit of an overview buddy
3: yeah so turkosterone for for those of you guys that don't necessarily know what it is um, it's what's called an ectosteroid uh, and that is essentially the equivalent in plants for kind of hormones in humans essentially if that makes sense so turkesterone, in particular Where we produce testosterone, plants produce turcosterone. So the thinking behind it, and it does have a very kind of similar chemical structure to testosterone as well. So the thinking behind it is, will it have similar anabolic effects, essentially? Will it help me build muscle mass? Yeah. And in terms of the research, there's been a decent amount way back in like the 70s, 80s, 90s. Well, not really a decent amount, but in animals. And even in kind of those animal studies, they showed that turcosterone could improved liver protein synthesis which is not necessarily the same as muscle protein synthesis and it's Mm -hmm. in animals so that kind of stuff we can pretty much disregard in this context i always think there was kind of a little bit more recent stuff done i mean it's still quite a way back in 2006 where they didn't necessarily use turcosterone, but a study was carried out looking at do ectosteroids themselves yeah. have any impact compared to placebos as well. Those kind of studies back in 06 found that there was no real difference between the ectosteroids and the placebo, so it kind of got shelved a little. The most recent study that I found was kind of in 2019, and that was using a study that claimed to have an amount of turcosterone in it I believe the amount was kind of like 100 milligrams was the amount that they claimed to have. And that study showed that there was quite a big difference in the groups that took ECT steroids and the groups that didn't in terms of lean muscle mass in that they built a lot more lean muscle mass, which is why it kind of sounds promising initially. They then later tested the supplement that they used. And the actual supplement they used contained six milligrams of Ecteserone, as opposed to the hundred milligrams that it kind of suggested, which in terms of an active ingredient, and amount of an active ingredient is very, very, very little mm. and wouldn't mm. explain kind of the changes that they saw. So That kind of then makes me think and makes kind of other people think, okay, what was in the supplement that wasn't on the label if what yeah. they said was on the label was significantly yeah. less anyway? And it's one of those where we don't necessarily know what could have caused those results but that is yeah. like one study that i found that's very questionable in terms of the supplement itself and because it's only one study when before there have been little ones where we found nothing i think that at this point you've got to kind of just disregard it and not use it essentially that's my point of view though
0: yeah the xd steroids is, is, is quite a, it's like a blanket term isn't it yeah. there's like lots of different ones and, and percosterone is one of them and these steroids are getting a lot of you know traction aren't they in the the kind of websites and people that are in a bodybuilding community around these the use of this as like a natural anabolic steroid and i think there's one research paper from 2019 that i found that actually is, is calling to for it to be classed as a as a steroid to be taken as a put on the banned list because if you take it in an in, in higher amounts, but a lot of the research doesn't. Then it potentially might have, I like say, be- well, it might become an anabolic agent. So, if you're an athlete, I would definitely be steering away from it at the moment <laughs> because you don't know what's in it. Uh, that's the main thing. And the other, the research that I came across was, like I said, this is um, in 2018, and and they were using amounts again similar to the whole. Artificial sweetener loading, you know the the amounts that you're actually going to get. They were using five milligrams per kilo, and the one the one like so, so say that's three hundred and fifty, you know milligrams for for you know, set for me for a seventy kilo guy. But the the the, re- the supplements that you can actually buy are like seventy grams, seventy milligrams per serving. So again, you've got to take unless the like is thirty days, of their supply. Well, that's going to be like a you know nine day supply. So then it becomes that cost versus benefit thing of like, well, you're going to be chucked if you're going to do it and it's in animals. We just don't know. Yeah. So it, it's that murky world, isn't it? Like it's, it's yeah, I, very but, early, but yeah.
2: I, said, you know, I think, I think we're, we're all kind of going down the same path here guys. aren't we? I think like say, it sounds great in theory. The first research that I started to look through was all animal based. And like Luke, I kind of just pushed that a little bit to one side and then, like, say, if, if you've got someone that is drug tested, competes, they're military, mm. when you're adding a, something new to your body, something that your body doesn't make itself, I always think that's where you've really got to know uh, one, like, say, what's in it, and two, like, is it definitely going to benefit you? Like, if you go into examine.com and you punch in a supplement and it comes back and it says, like, yes, this is of benefit, you know, things that we will always recommend to people, we can hang our hat on because the research is there, the data is there. And we get things, and we get feedback back from our clients about certain supplements you know we've got a wide you know remit of the reasons things that, that we would hang our hat on something like this where we're kind of guessing and the dosages aren't done and let's say different studies and then the pack, and you know what the product itself says to take just lots of little warning lights isn't it uh, of things to flag up and like say is it is it going to make the difference is it going to be cost effective is there time and or money that you could put into something else that might create a, a bigger and better difference for. Yeah, I do agree. I think that's the bottom line. My thoughts
0: on it are when you're in this world of elite performance and elite sport, sometimes you've, the bodybuilding community, I think gets, I don't think it's a bad name. I think, I think it has historically, but I love it because these guys are pushing the boundaries. And I'm not advocating this by the way that people go and fire testosterone and start shoving loader down your throat for 80 pound a pot but i do like to keep my eye on these things because if there is some benefit do you know what i mean you know if they do stuff more in humans in the right dosages there is you know is there going to be benefit and can you be a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of implementing it so it's something that i like to keep my eye on you know, especially the, I uh, say the body wheel communities, if it's more consistently comes up that it's a benefit, more consistently people say, I feel really good on this. And, you know, that can be whether it's at an elite level and it doesn't really filter down to the general public because the, the guys at the top are looking for that 0.51% and everything else is really consistent. Then, like you said, time there's more you know, spending money better on better food probably is the better one, or getting me up a company, or sleep better before you start doing all this. But when you're at the elite, then a lot, I think it's good. I think it's a good thing that people are asking these questions and pushing these things out and trying to find these, you know, plant-based sources of you know things that are going to help us to improve our performance. So at the moment, very very early stages, a little bit murky, a little bit cloudy, and. Yeah, something that you're probably not going to see a benefit on just by taking it in isolation. Um, but there's a lot of these around, isn't there? Like testosterone boosters and all of these, you know, different, different products that are claimed to, you know, jack your testosterone up by 300%, stuff like this. And I think we talked about it at Mental Health, didn't it? One of my biggest things is the biggest thing is going to help boost testosterone it is obviously sleep, as obviously strength training in the right amounts. But it's treating deficiencies. So if you're talking about supplementation, if you've got deficiencies in certain areas, then a, you know, addressing those is going to be the biggest win that you're going to get from a supplementation point of view. So if you're deficient in zinc, get it—you know—get your blood work done, see if you're deficient, treat that. Deficient in magnesium, or there's an imbalance in terms of your inflammation and the and whatever—you know—these types of things that you can figure out, they're just going to be the biggest win. So, yeah. Anything else, Luke, that you've been coming across that you're quite excited about, and anything that's kind of piqued your interest at the moment in terms of it, the
3: supplement world? In all honesty, no. I'm still very kind of set. I mean, I mean, there's potentially one that I'm a little bit interested in that I'm doing a bit more of a dive into, which is betaine. But yeah, uh, I mean, at this point in time, I'm just full creatine yeah. and alanine Yeah,
0: betaine <laughs> mate something I mean, I've one. yeah, I've, be, I've kept my eye on that for a few years. Because we actually put it into a put it into a supplement along with uh, a couple of cool uh, carbohydrate powders in terms of like our protein shakes when we did it at Fulham, when we made our own. And the research is coming more and more, isn't it? Like it's yeah. it's it's a promising one. I think that's one that's I think HMB's had its time. I think B the is uh, <laughs> the one that I, I'm keeping my eye on. I think you're right, buddy. I think it's a very very interesting area. Cool, good, Ian. I hope that's I hope that's helped, mate. So keep doing the basics, never get bored of the basics, but you're doing really well. Right. Next question. When increasing calories, do when when increasing calories, should I add an extra snack or change my meals? And second part, what macros should I increase? Go on, Tom, lead us off for this
2: one. Um, I don't want to give the it depends answer. (laughs) Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. (laughs) Because it's the right answer. Yeah. A, little, a little bit more context might help. However, yeah. I'm going to talk at it from a point of coaching clients on our six-week nutrition programs, because if anyone right. has done any of our programs, regardless of the pathway, if they do pH perform or they do fat loss, we normally reach a point in the program where we put people's calories up. So this is often a, a, a conversation that I have with a lot of clients on a regular basis. And really what, it, what you've got to look at is where you think either you might need it most, so, for example, increasing calories, and maybe if your goal is performance, if we're going back to that first question that we have, where we we're talking about, you know, overtraining, undereating, if you want to try and increase your performance, the best thing to do is maybe eat a little bit more around your training, potentially pre workout, particularly if you've been following a nutrition plan for a while. And if things are working and you've got some go to meals and you've, you've gone in a really good habit of weighing and measuring things out, like don't mm. rock the boat, don't change too much keep those things the same and then you can just plug the gap, let's like, say maybe with an extra snack, maybe it's a something pre or post-workout or the time of day you think you need it the most, that afternoon dip or post-dinner yeah. sweet treat, that's maybe where you can look to increase a particular meal or a snack.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good thing, isn't it? Like you build the routines of making the meals and making it, and then if you have to change it, even if by a small amounts, just throws you off. Like that's why I moved away when we were designing it to be like, I don't like high days, medium days, low days on carbs. Like, I don't know about you, that's bloody confusing. Do you know what I mean? And and it causes overwhelm with people trying to plan their meals. So one calorie target, let's like say small adjustments between that. And then when you get to the point where you need to add, like I said, keep it simple, plug the gap. And I'm always, always about an extra snack. And then I think this goes down the, the route of when you make a meal, so say it's a, you need to eat 700 calories in a meal, right? Your meal, actual one meal doesn't need to be 700 calories. Your meal could be 550 calories and you could have a 150 calorie snack right after it or 150 calorie side salad or a soup or whatever. And I think if you do that and build your meals around it, that's an easier way to increase calories while keeping a really consistent structure rather than going oh i've got to add an extra 35 grams of rice and an extra four grams of chicken or whatever it is Jimmy, so, mean, it just doesn't work it's it very fiddly so, doesn't it really
2: quickly ah, so fiddly yeah um clients sometimes uh, obsess about making things like fit into a bowl or on a plate and let say like yeah. adding a piece of yeah. oh yeah more carbs i like there you go I'm done like yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to be let's say complicated if you've got those go-to meals in your locker like if they're working for you, keep them. That's what they're there for. That's that's exactly it, mate. That's exactly it.
0: And then which macros should I increase? Oh, sorry, on that, before we go into that, because when we talk about increasing calories as well, we're just talking you know, about what we do, is often and I think people get get it wrong when they talk about increasing calories because they go, Oh, I've been following, say, eighteen hundred calories and I need to increase in the calories because I'm feeling low on energy and feeling hungry all the time. So then they do it every day. Oh, I'm now eating 1950 calories. We've gone up by 10% and 1980 calories. Okay, why are you doing it every day? Why don't you just start by doing it on two to three days a week when you feel most hungry? And that step progression, rather than just junking everything up, is often how we find that people kind of maintain their body weight, improve their performance, but not feeling too, like, say, oh, all of a sudden, I'm in that bulk in the and a bulk in the and you know, whatever, and they get, they get stuck. Definitely, guys, if, if you are going to think about doing it, and like we talked about, as your training progresses, you might want to increase your, the amount that you're eating to, to help you to keep progressing. If you're feeling hungry all the time, let's say if, you, if you're identified from the first question that you're under eating, then increase your calories. We don't have to do it every day. Like, like Tom said, plug it on maybe a Monday, a Wednesday, and a Friday. Or um, plug it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, to help you have energy for the rest of the week. Do you know what I mean, it's it, it's being sensible with it, so definitely take that into consideration. And now, Luke, talk to us. What are we going to do? What macros are we going to increase? Because this is a tough one.
3: <laughs> and again, I'm going to give that age old nutritionist answer of it depends. Right? We always kind of need that context behind things. I need
0: like little sound things here. Is there like a, I think there's a little thing you can do on here. Just be like. Do you know what I mean? Like a bore-off one. Do you know what I mean? Or like a,
2: oh. I think it's like a standard pick. It's like (laughs) like pH nutrition bingo, isn't it? Line, they said it depends. It depends. Yeah,
3: it depends. It's always right. But when you, I'll say it again, so get you as drunk as possible. It depends, it depends, it depends. Yeah, and it does. It does. I'm going to say it once more just so Liam has to have another shot. It depends. And when you're looking at taking kind of intake up, it tends to be thinking about, you know, like we've given a couple of situations there where you might be feeling like you're not necessarily fueling enough, and the easiest thing in that regard, like Tom sort of said and mentioned about training, is probably taking your carbohydrates intake up around training. Mm. If you're feeling like you've got low energy, and that's why you're taking your intake up, um, then that can be really, really kind of beneficial. We we kind of know that protein, if you're whether you're targeting kind of fat loss or muscle building you need to get a decent amount of protein in. So if you're taking your intake up, chances are protein is already at a level that is kind of conducive to the goals that you're aiming for. So it's probably going to be a case of either carbohydrates or taking those fats up. And more often than not, when it comes to trying to fuel training, Carbs tends to be the right thing to kind of go for. There are some circumstances where it could be worth taking fats up, you know, potentially if you're not necessarily recovering as well, if you feel like your motivations are, I know as dudes, if if there's potentially kind of any signs of like low testosterone or anything like that, and you are consuming a really kind of low fat diet, then it could be worth taking fats up there as well. But for the most part, it's probably going to be carbohydrates and it's probably going to be around training, uh, like Tom mentioned there, to get kind of the the benefit of it.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's right. So in a practical sense for people, if you're looking at like, identifying, I'm, I'm, I'm under eating, I feel low on energy, definitely not overtraining, but I need to increase my calories. So I would be like, right, let's let's add in some carbohydrates, whether that's 5%, 10% of your overall calories, okay? And you could do that for two days a week or three days a week. And that could be from a snack, like Tom said. It could be an extra piece of fruit. Could be addition to your lunch, or it could be something that like you're taking pre- or post workout. So mixing your shape with fruit juice or having a bit of banana, banana before you train. There's 120 calories, there's 130 calories, whatever it is. That's a simple way to do it. Now, when you think about then taking your overall intake up across the whole week. Okay, so you you've you've added that extra snack in. I think then you increase all of the macronutrients. And bring it all the way up. So that's when you can bring up fats and you can bring up protein a little bit because your overall calories, you can't just then just keep increasing carbs. Do you know what I mean? There is going to be a limit that you're going to do. So the first step, like Luke said, is definitely, in my opinion, to add the carbohydrates in, like Tom said, around that workout or plug in the gap where you feel that you need that little bit extra and taking everything up. I think once, once you get to that kind of like, right, well, I need to increase my calories across the week because I'm still feeling hungry on the other days now. And I know Tom, you, uh, Luke, you said about protein and, and stuff, but that would be something if you are consistently under your protein on, on consistently, like across the week, you've got to get that up. So then I would be like, yeah, you, you need to be making sure that that number is there and not necessarily so you need to keep going above it, but it definitely might be something that you want to look at too, because that's a key key thing for, for fat loss and for gaining muscle. So getting into that, does creatine help with weight loss? Yes or no?
3: So the the genuine answer for weight loss is no. But, yes,
0: it's nothing. But, but
3: it can be beneficial for fat loss.
0: Yes. Why, look? It- Tell me why.
3: So creatine, creatine does cause some water retention um, within the muscle, which leads to changes in weight. So when people kind of start supplementing creatine, they might see these changes where their weight goes up. But as I've sort of said there, that is water retention within the muscle. And what we also know about creatine, and this has been proven time and time again, is it is beneficial for improving um, and maximizing lean muscle mass, gaining it helps us gain lean muscle mass. Um, And if we're trying to lose fat mass, what we want to do is maintain as much lean muscle mass as we have as possible so that the right kind of weight is being lost so that the fat is being lost. So it can be really kind of conducive and really kind of helpful when you're thinking about fat loss, but it won't necessarily reflect in the scales because it will cause that kind of little bump up from that water retention initially.
0: Yeah, I think it's something that people don't want to add in because it could potentially mask the the drop on the scale. And if we well know we want to lose the right type of weight, let's say we want to hang on or build as much muscle mass as we can on the dieting. So creating, for me, if, if you can, you say either worry less about the scale, worry less about the water retention and deal with that, then I think it's a really beneficial thing. So this is for someone that's probably in a deficit, a smaller deficit for a longer period of time. You know, I think it's not really going to make too much of a difference if you're quite aggressively dieting for short periods of time. So, me, it'd be like you know, if you if you're dieting for a week to kind of cut down for something. Yes, you can you can take it, but I think if you're dieting over a six week period or an eight week period, then you're probably going to get more benefit out of taking creatine from a performance and training point of view as well. So, you know, I think that, like Luke said. Can definitely help hang on to as much muscle mass, lean muscle mass, because that's what we want. So take creatine. The problem is with creatine at the moment is that everyone used to be like, ah, super cheap. You know, we could take creatine. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) It's not cheap anymore. Everything's bloody expensive. There isn't anything now. So, yeah. And this, do you know, there's a worldwide
3: shortage of creatine?
0: Mad, isn't it? It's because pretty Um, much
3: all comes out of the same factory in Germany, pretty much. So,
0: yeah yeah so maybe stock up on creatine can make yourself like, mm. like gold mm. store it but yeah if you can kind of put it into your diet in, into your weekly supplementation routine i think it's definitely beneficial interestingly guys what what, what supplement stack have you got at the moment Lucky, what, what are you what have you stacked what have you got kind of so going um, on in I, the cupboard
3: like i sort of said down um, i mean the ones that i use kind of day in day out uh tend to be vitamin d omega-3s and magnesium but the ones that I've kind of reintroduced after A, being on holiday for a little bit and B, starting to kind of do CrossFit again All the ones we've kind of mentioned here. So creatine um, and beta alanine. And I tend to stack those two together as well. It tends to be taking them because with both of those, and it's a bit of a common misconception, especially with kind of beta alanine. People think like the benefit of beta alanine comes from as almost like a pre-workout because you get the tingles, you get that paresthesia and you feel like you're ready to train. But the benefit from beta alanine comes from similar to creatine when you increase kind of your stores of carnosine at the muscle. So beta alanine is used to produce a compound called carnosine and it's increasing those stores over time that creates kind of the benefits that we see from beta alanine. So Mm. stacking those, taking those at the same time throughout the day. And I mean, I do take it in and around training because it's one I remember the most, but it's not necessarily the time that you have to take it. For those, it's just kind of getting it in across the day at whichever point is easiest.
1: Yeah. But going to sleep with
3: going to sleep with the tingles, the parasthesia you on your face <laughs> is not fun. So I wouldn't necessarily yeah. recommend B2 alanine before bedtime.
0: No. One thing I used was to put it in a big I haven't got my water bottle here. Big old like water bottle. And I mm. used to put it in there. Now I think some people mentioned when I I think I did a post on this. Said that you can then just sip it across the day. Mm. But then someone said about degradation of it. I was just like, oh, I like pick holes and everything. Like right? it doesn't matter that much, Jesus. Um, so that's something I do to take the tingle away because I actually feel quite sick when I take it. I don't know if you know. Have you heard anyone say that? Um,
3: yeah, I've, Before, like Christ? I think nausea is kind of a bit of a reported side effect with it as well, which is why it I can sometimes really sick. be good to do around training as well because you almost don't notice it because you're training so much and you've got. Yeah, oc- but yeah, don't take it on an empty stomach. Will help with that as well.
0: Yeah, I I, I I've I really struggled with it. Really bad, Tom. What are you stacking at the moment?
2: Oh, I draw my list. Here we go. I know. Well, you just win all these competitions. <laughs> then you've got like five years' worth of supplements. Well, from... it's only because it's because you know getting old now as well. I've got aches and pains, and I'm probably probably in the overtraining camp as well. To be honest, I need to patch myself <laughs> together. I take creatine. I take. I often do a lot of my training early in the morning, so I do use a uh, supplement from Human Twenty Four. I've dropped them in, which is a hydration and that's hydration electrolytes and adaptogens mix which is really nice for me to take in the morning so gets Mm. my hydration up cognitive function alertness for training i go through green uh, greens powder from new zest like anything because again my training volume is quite high sometimes when i'm a bit busy my nutrition can drop a little bit so it's a good kind of belt and braces option and if i'm outside a lot and running i want to make sure my immunity where it needs to be so yeah, and then Mm. all kind of Gels and chews and drinks for intra workout, really, when I'm out pounding the pavements and hours at a time, plenty of carbs. Yeah. Sourine isn't a supplement, is it? I can't list Sourine, can I? <laughs> yeah, I can't list that. You don't take an omega 3? No, I don't actually. No, I, I, I try and eat quite a bit of fish. So when I had blood work done a few years ago, omega 3 was okay. So yeah, I like to make a point of trying to eat fish because I really enjoy it. And I say, nice variety in my diet. <laughs> So solid stat there the human 24 stuff's good isn't it like provide do you use any of their other products i've played around with their pre-sleep product but I, I generally i'm 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 quite good at i'm a member of the 9 p.m club as as you guys know yeah. so i'm quite good at my sleep routine getting to bed at the same time every night so i didn't really notice the benefit too much yeah again that and that's a that's a bit of feedback to people isn't it like if you don't really feel you're getting the benefit from it you don't necessarily have to keep taking something for for, for, for the sake of it and I get asked about creatine so much, just going back to creatine. I don't know what you guys get, like pulling one in three questions in my DMs is always about creatine and even simple things like, do I take it on a rest day or what time of day should I take it or what should I take it with? And so, yeah, it's interesting how, even though we keep talking about it, the questions about it still keep coming up all the time, isn't it? Yeah, but I think, I think it's a positive thing. I'd rather Mm. they
0: keep asking about creatine than keep asking about Psalms or something else. Yeah. At Some least fat something burning tea or buying. something. Yeah. Yeah. The old Thermo coming back from from uh, Maxi Russell. Did you ever use to take that? You, 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 Luke, you're too young. No, no, I did. You ever remember that. Yeah. yeah. You'd be sitting on your bed and your heart would be like, you'd be like, oh, Jesus Christ, what's going on here? But yeah, good stuff. My sack at the moment, I'm lazy. So I take creatine and Amigas from Food Spring and I take Zag every day just what we like to call removing that wellness admin don't have to take a lot of things i have to remember a lot of things like i say that's and tropics but i definitely find that i need the amigas like I say, getting a bit older and i definitely take the creatine. and then i will rotate like say greens in and zinc and magnesium and stuff like that but i find that that kind of does make for the basics I probably do need to add beta alanine back in but again i just feel a bit sick on it i can't really get round it and the, the, the slow-release stuff and all of that is so expensive. So, yeah, just keep chipping away. So, Luke, sorry about the competition coming up. and going to blow up. Actually, I'm feeling all right with training at the moment, so hopefully I'll better
3: perform I've seen, I've seen you do handstand push-ups. will be just fine. Yeah, i we'll no, hopefully.
0: Fine. Hopefully they'll program them. We'll have a little word with Danny and Gemma. So Two more questions, both of these from Instagram. Any benefits of doing a caffeine load from uh, Mon- Monkey Man then? Username there. Yeah, benefits of, of a caffeine deload or resensitization. You need to talk about this a little
1: bit.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I think you can look at it from a couple of angles. So, with regards to kind of sensitivity of caffeine and kind of tolerance, the good news is that even if you don't necessarily kind of feel the effects of caffeine anymore, Pretty much all the research in athletes has shown that the benefits will still be there anyway. So even if you don't feel the perceived effects, happy days, you can still kind of keep drinking it and you'll get the benefits from it for, from a performance perspective as well. And the other kind of side to look at, though, I always think is kind of caffeine dependency. And um, if you feel like you can't necessarily get through a day or get through life without caffeine, and don't worry, I've been there, I worked in a coffee shop at uni where I was having five or six a day because it was free and it was amazing as well, then that can be when just loads of other stuff can start to kind of be impacted as well, right? It might, you might not necessarily realize, but you might kind of have this sort of elevated level of, baseline anxiety almost from just the constant sort of simulation and um, it might also be affecting sleep quality and quantity that kind of thing as well so this a really kind of dumb and embarrassing sort of thing that made me realize hang on a minute i'm having too much caffeine but i remember really vividly one day just thinking hey if i ever get invited to bear grills the island I will not be able to go because I would not be able to go without my coffee when I'm on that island. And that to me was (laughs) stupid, but made me think, no, maybe I'm a little bit too dependent on caffeine here. So that's kind of when I started to sort of cut back a little bit from that point of view. And you do start to feel the, or start to notice anyway, those kind of perceived mm. subjective benefits of it more as well. And even though, mm. like we said at the start, that the, you're still going to get the performance even if you don't feel it, just mentally, there could be kind of a little bit more of a benefit from feeling like you've had a coffee as well. Even if you know that physiologically there's no difference, that kind of just mental, oh yeah, I really do feel like I've had a coffee, that can give you just a little bit of an extra boost as well, right? That that I mean, yeah, yeah the brain's a wonderful thing, so... Almost tricking it and taking advantage of it, then can be useful too.
0: Yeah. When I found out that you still get the benefits of it, even though you, if you don't have to do a recent face, I I'm never going to stop taking it now. <laughs> I was just like, just, I don't care if I feel it. Hope you never get the uh, call I,
3: for Bear Grylls the Island then. Yeah, I,
0: yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I probably won't, mate. I, it's like one of those ones where <laughs> not, that type of thing ain't it. I don't even, I like watching it. I I don't want to compete. I don't sit there and go, I can do that. I'll be like, not for me, that one. (laughs) I'll happily watch that. But yeah, when I found out, like you say, the the performance benefits don't change. um, I was like, I'll just keep it in because I just love it too much. But I do find that benefits of doing a caffeine deload, I think, you know, is is the question. But also I find maybe just reducing the amount, I've definitely found a benefit because I found that I was having, when I had that third coffee a few times, I was like, oh, don't feel too good here. So then it's just not so much a deload, but definitely just a reduction in it. So having one, having okay, that, you know, a few days a week is is, is better for me. That's a, probably my kind of deload, effectively. And then having a couple when I've like, like yesterday, Finn didn't sleep all night, which is quite rare at the moment. But I feel like I really need it today. So then I'm like, cool, I'll have a couple. Yeah. Um I think you. So worth- do you take it first thing in the morning?
2: I used to. I was one of those people who get up and it's like. After I've fallen down the stairs, it's the first thing I do: I put, the old, put the old espresso machine on the corner. The hydration supplement I take does have caffeine in, caffeine but in I, it, but I don't yeah. take that straight away. And if I'm not training or something, I I try and not use caffeine in the first like hour or ninety minutes after waking up yeah. to give myself a bit of a window, like Liam said. And then anyone that knows me knows I'm quite strict with a cutoff because I do yeah. think that people become a bit over reliant in the afternoon. And again, it's probably yeah. habit based or working in an office, but yeah. I try and have a cup top around two o'clock. I yeah. notice if I'm ever, you know, if I have, I, I notice it, if I have a coffee four or five in the afternoon, Oof. I don't, no. I don't feel wired. I don't feel awake. Like I say, I'm, I'm completely desensitized. I just like having a coffee with a friend or something, but then I feel it in the evening. Yeah. I feel it when I, you I'm know, saying, I'm a bit restless, sleep quality, not a good. So yeah, deload, again, it doesn't have to be all or nothing, does it, with caffeine? You can actually, let's say, maybe just, you know, minimize your, your intake bring your window down slightly and then maybe let's say use it a bit more around your training maybe actually try having higher dose around your training than just drinking five across the day or something do that you know I mean it's something yeah. like luke said earlier a little bit of trial and error sometimes to find what can give someone the benefit and using caffeine in the right place at the right time yeah i think
0: uh coffee connoisseurs would probably be throwing their there well <laughs> turning off the podcast maybe not throwing their phone one of the ones I used to advise was to change decaf for a week or two weeks and people would be like, I'm not touching that muck. And they did like say, I'm not doing that. So, but if you don't mind decaf and you can find a really good one, then that's a nice way to kind of kill, still keep that habit in. Cause you know, that's something that I find it's quite nice thing. You know, like I have a bit of a routine. I enjoy it. I enjoy the process of it. And you know, sometimes when I'm out and I'll go to a really good coffee shop, there's you know, a couple in London. When I'm in, I'll, I'll have a decaf because Tom, I'm very much the same. I am like one o'clock, two o'clock, won't have anything after because sometimes when I've been driving back in the evenings and I've had one because I'm like, oh, I've been up a lot. I'll get back in and I can't, I can't switch off. Like you say, I don't feel wired. I just can't, I can't get into that, into that uh, sleep. And it's definitely something i can't notice. Cool. So there we go. Don't have to, but you might feel benefits from a placebo point of view. So trial it out. Last one. It's a little bit of a confusing question um, to finish on. So coffee and chaos, the handle on this one, ask this one. So tips for someone who's slowly weaning off cardio and onto weight training fully after losing weight. But the goal is to still lose weight. I think that's what they're kind of saying. So they've been doing cardio want to kind of start to lift weights sounds like they just want to lift weights but they still want to kind of lose weight so hit me crew what we're saying
3: so i mean we we, tips we know that that resistance training does contribute to weight loss as well so it's it's not necessarily something that you know that, that potentially might be a fear of doing less activity right less expenditure from the cardio and are you still going to kind of see the benefits tip there would probably be to do it gradually, right? So I think they used the term kind of weaning off when they were talking about it. And if there is that kind of block in your mind where you're thinking, I'm going to lose all this progress and I'm just going to add it back on because I'm not doing as much cardio, then kind of doing it gradually can work. And I all I also think that there's so many benefits from keeping cardio in, in potentially mm. less of an amount, right? Because mm. It's so beneficial for our heart health, and that subsequently is beneficial for our brain health as well, right? Anything that's going to improve the amount of oxygen and the amount of stuff that we can pump around our body in our blood is going to be a beneficial thing. And cardiovascular exercise does that, of course. And so it does not necessarily have to be a case of an all or nothing point of view. And similar to caffeine, like we said, there you know there can be this middle ground, and it can take time to find that middle ground and find what works for you as well. And I I think it's always useful chatting to a trainer about this sort of stuff. I think from a nutrition point of view, you'd be surprised at how little you'd probably need to change your intake as well. You'd be surprised Mm. at kind of just how Mm. much energy you will still burn from doing resistance training. So it's not necessarily going to be a case of, oh, I'm not doing any more cardio. Let's restrict, restrict, restrict. You'd be surprised at kind of how much you can still eat and lose weight with doing less cardio for sure.
0: Definitely, definitely. Tom, you mentioned a good point about it. Off, off camera,
2: did you about resistance training and, and stuff yeah, like and cardio. I think, like Luke said, the benefits of doing aerobic training. Everyone knows I'm a big fan of Zone Two, but like your aerobic base is 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 the base for everything. Even if you are lifting weights, like you want to be able to recover quicker, so you can lift more weights, you can increase your volume. There's so many different ways that you can train. Like say Luke said, you haven't got to be a kind of all or nothing, and yeah, speak to a, a trainer or a coach, but looking on the internet there are different programs that you could potentially follow you know something like functional bodybuilding is very very popular where you maybe you do you know a lot of supersets you do giant sets things that can still elevate your heart rate so mm. if you if this person likes the feeling of kind of getting sweaty and you know getting a good workout in in the gym you know that could be a good kind of go between and i think like say don't judge your progress purely on a number on the scale particularly Mm. if you're going to start doing more weight training more resistance training your Mm. body shape may change you'll probably get leaner you'll build muscle a bit more in the right places the number on the scale may not change as much as it had previously so the more ways you can track and monitor your progress the better when you when this person starts lifting weight so maybe think about let's say pair of jeans collar you know collar size maybe take some before and after pictures you know maybe kind of 30 days six weeks apart or something like that mm, because yeah tra- training in a different way will create a different adaptation and a different potentially a different result to just doing cardio so yeah be Definitely. aware of that yeah that's really important because like i
0: said it is completely different like more weight on the bar like you know tracking and training is probably one that i really wish i would have done more of when I was started kinda of listing weights, like having the actual how many sets, how many reps, how many weight how much weight did I list. I think that's a really crucial thing because you end up just getting stuck at a certain number and just doing that. And like we said, have the balance. Do you know what I mean? Like there will be times and even over the year you might do a little bit more cardio in the summer when it's like you know, it's a bit nice to run outside or you wanna kinda of do a bit more and then in the winter you can do a bit more weights and don't be stuck on it you can kind of be a little bit more fluid but but yeah definitely like i say just you need to be looking at shifting how you track progress that is that is a really key thing and then like i say fueling for it like you got, you know with the weights it's similar again like we talked about earlier in the thing you've got to be making sure that your nutrition progresses as your as your training progresses because with cardio if you're doing it for weight loss Yes, that that's great. But then with, with, with the resistance training you can always kinda of put more weight on the bar and if shifting that to a performance ma- mindset rather than just a weight loss mindset is gonna is gonna be really a positive change and it's probably gonna help you to maintain motivation for a little bit of a longer period. So I hope that helps. Hope that helps. Um lads, thanks so much for joining us. I thought that was a very useful q a some really good questions this is something that a lot of podcasts say but there is a lot of stuff in that and we will be putting some links in the show notes we pop it onto the thing but uh, into the episode notes but we also have a website page for the podcast which we link to as well so yeah head over to that and and check it out and guys if you've got any other questions there's, there's also a link there to pop us a question you can put one on instagram you know via the direct message even onto any of the coaches you can also let's say go onto the website open up the link there and just pop us a uh, little question there via the, uh, the form and no questions bad jumping that big or small like it could be super detailed it could be super broad but yeah try and give us a tiny bit of context that always helps otherwise i'm just going to be drinking all every week because it'll just be it depends so um so yeah good stuff thank you so much for listening if you can subscribe share like download tell all your pals and even people that you don't like about the podcast that would be absolutely fantastic. Have a wonderful day, lads. Thank you so much. And we'll see you again on the next episode. Luke, you have got a stop.
1: Hold up.